Welcome to the Tune Under podcast. Uh, we've had a couple of days to take our breath and relax after the, the season that was, the, the fantastic season. Um, thoughts generally have already started turning towards the transfer window and next season, but there's going to be none of that tonight. We're going to do a bit of a, a season awards. So we're going to have a little review of the season, um, but by going through some of the some of the the categories of um, of goals and, and games and things like that, and uh, have a bit of discussion around that and see if we can pick the season apart a bit. The, it's been very difficult to to pick answers for some of these categories because uh, it's been such a good season. Uh, but we'll give it a go. I'm Jack in Brisbane, and I'm here tonight with Mark, also in Brisbane. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing really well. Uh, enjoying the uh, enjoying the bit of extra sleep that we're getting at the moment and hopefully we can catch up a bit before the new season starts off yeah well we've got about i think it's about six or seven weeks before the um those games that are in the u.s uh, which, which are think, being televised on optus apparently yeah and the, yeah. i think at nine o'clock in the morning or something for yeah. us so they look like they'll be pretty good and um, so i'm sure we'll be covering that um but yeah the the club has still been tweeting out the content uh, and they've been putting some good stuff out. Um, they put the that goal um, compilation out, the 40-minute goal compilation of all of the, the goals this season, all of the league goals. Um, I may and, have already watched that once or twice. <laughs> yeah, I was I was up with one of my one of my daughters at about 3.30 in the morning and I, I did what you should never do and check my phone and I saw that. And then I couldn't sleep, so I had to sit there watching, watching that. So... <laughs> But that was good. That was good. It was. Uh, it's just an example of one of you know the way the club are, the way the club are connecting at the moment with the fans. I don't remember them ever doing that before. I don't know if there was a reason why they couldn't do that. But it's an example, isn't it, Mark, of kind of the way that they are engaging uh, with supporters at the moment. And obviously, it's a lot easier to do that when you're winning. But it's yeah. it's good to see, isn't it? I think it's just a polar shift in the attitude where I think there's there's definitely a little bit of they're trying to put right some of the wrongs of the previous regime. I think that's pretty obvious. They're, they're trying to engage with the fans more. They're trying to make a community, which I think they're really succeeding in. And they're trying to include, like, you know, they've, they've brought back in some of the old players and the heroes of the club. And, and, and that's the sort of thing that the club's built on. And, and everyone has their favorite players and they want to reminisce about years gone by while still looking to the future as well. So, yeah, they've, they've ticked so many boxes in, in the short time they've been here. Uh, long may it continue. And of course, it does make it easier to do that when you're winning and when you've got a lot of goodwill. Yeah. Um, so, Ashley, you, you kind of think, why did Ashley not try some of this stuff? You know, why did he not try tweeting out the goals and, and everything? But if he had, it would have just been met with a volley of abuse, <laughs> probably. Um, so, things are the whole feeling around the place just feels so much better over the last 18 months. And I think that's why they're, they're, they're riding the crest of a wave and, you know, long may this continue because it's just so good to see. And it's it's good for us to be able to to connect with this and engage with this from 10,000 miles away as well, isn't it? Well, that's the thing for us. It's perfect because we're so starved of content. I mean, we don't get to to have that sort of walk into town and at lunchtime and, you know, you've got the ads for the Ronnie Gill and uh, yeah, so everyone's sort of <laughs> chomping at the bit for the next bit of gossip and the next bit of news and everyone's talking about it. We don't quite get that same over here. Um, I mean, that was one of the reasons we decided to to get onto a mm. podcast. It was, it was more for things started out just for us to, to have that banter again. Uh, which we missed. So for us, this content's just pure gold and, and you yeah, know, I can't get enough of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the season overall, before we get into talking about the categories we're going to talk about and, and give some awards for, what's your overall summary of the season? How And how do you think that this season compares to some of the, the, the great seasons of years gone by? Obviously thinking about Keegan and Sir Bobby Robson's teams. What do you what do you think about that? And how does the yeah, what's your overall takeaways from the season? Now we've had a few days to digest it. I think it's exceeded everyone's expectations by a country mile. Um, I mean, we said it I mean, we said it throughout the season, whenever there's been a, a, a drop or there's like, you know, you've dropped some points here and there, and there's been a little bit of rumblings on social media, there's there's always been that sort of well, hang on a bit. Let's let's just remember, beginning of the season, we were going to be happy with a top half finish and a couple of decent cup run games and stuff like that. We've matched that by getting to a cup final. We finished in the top four. Uh, I mean, we we couldn't have dreamt for more than that at the beginning of the season. And so we're we're so far ahead of schedule. It's not even funny at the moment. But how does it compare to the previous? Look, under Keegan, it was just a roller coaster of. All out attack. It was it was balls to the wall football. It was great to watch at the time, and you know, but it was never that comfortable watch because you, you knew we were going to concede goals. Yeah, we we're going to score loads, but you never knew what the score was going to be. You never felt comfortable in the results. Um, Bobby Robson took over, and let's be honest, the club was in some pretty bad state at the time, and we were struggling to get results together. We were we were fighting a relegation battle when he took over and then we ended up winning 8-0 or whatever it was and <laughs> you know sort of like long, let, let's enjoy this while it happens uh but again i don't think anyone really expected that team to finish in champions league spaces as, as well as it did even though you know look take nothing away from from sir bobby robson he was absolutely one of a kind manager um he was kind of like that everyone's favorite uncle at the club mm. sort of thing. And everyone loved him. Everyone respected him. It, players at home and abroad all knew who he was. They all respected him. So from that point of view, I think you expected some sort of upturn. That was special. Um, we obviously had a few down moments in in amongst all of that because, you know, I mean, we all still remember... Um, Boyer and Dyer getting into a punch <laughs> up in the middle of the pitch and Steven Taylor getting shot with a sniper rifle and getting sent off. And there was, there was all these things that were kind of almost tarnishing that good run of form. And we, it was, we were playing well, we were playing attacking football, but again, you never knew which way things were going at the back, mainly because of Titus Bramble, it has to be said, let's be honest. <laughs> but we, we, we had, we had like the passion was there again. I don't think I've ever felt as comfortable with a club, with with the club and the team, defensively, as I've felt this mm. season, it, we we just seem to have control in so many games that it was it was a case of like, well, how many goals can we score in some games? And you know, when we, we know we're not going to concede a, a hatful, and we didn't in many games, uh, and mm. so we were always in games. And I think the 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 feeling was, we're going to enjoy this while we can, but the belief was still. It was enjoyable because we didn't expect it, but there was always that little nagging doubt at the back of your mind as a Newcastle fan. I was like, the wheels are going to fall off soon. The wheels are going to fall off soon. This, we can't keep this up for the whole season. And we were just waiting and waiting for everything to go tits up. Yeah. And I think a lot of it depends on the... I mean, the context is really important because I know people get annoyed about 
when you say, look at where we were, blah, blah, blah. And that's fair enough. But like the context of the previous season, I didn't think we were ever going to see Newcastle be competitive again. So for me, that's why this period of time and this season has been and will will always be a memorable and a, a kind of a historic season for us. Um, and it does compare with the Bobby Robson era and the Keegan era. Um, I was a little bit young for the entertainers to to, fo- to fully appreciate that. And I suppose with Bobby, you never really knew when it was going to end. Uh, yeah. You didn't know it was going to kind of fall off a cliff when he left and Sunes came in, you know? So, but with this team, to, to go from where we were, I, I'd resign myself to Newcastle never doing anything ever again. Um, so to to have all this excitement now um, and the way that the season has gone and the future we've got now out of nowhere is just such a, a magical thing. Um, and the season has been incredible. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about this over the next two podcasts. We've got this tonight, and then we're gonna do a, a follow up with a couple of more. Um, categories uh, in a couple of days time the first thing I want to talk about tonight is goal of the season uh, like I said it was a good job the club tweeted out that um, it was very time timely that they tweeted out that video of all of the goals because you can have a look at the fixtures and see them um, but you can't actually you, know, you can't remember them off the top of your head sometimes apart from some of the really spectacular ones the way we're going to do it is we've each got a top three. I'm going to take your third choice first. We're going to talk about that, and then I'll give mine and so on. So what's your third choice for goal of the season? So my third, my, so I'm going to actually come up with a special mention first, um, and that's for Fabian Shah's absolute thunder bastard. His, his yearly uh, contribution to goal of the season competitions uh, against Nottingham Forest just stepped up. First game of the season, blasted into the top corner. Couldn't wish for anything better than that in the first game of the season. But my number three goal is Murphy's Thunderbolt against Spurs. Uh, that was just an incredible strike. His reaction afterwards, I mean, the game itself was fantastic. And, and I, will, I will definitely be mentioning that again. But yeah, that, that goal was just something else, especially from the player it was as well. Yeah, it was it was his reaction. It was the yeah. whole the whole feeling around that game. And I can't even remember that. I think that was the third goal, maybe. I think yeah, it, it was, was the yeah. third goal. Yeah. But yeah, like that, <laughs> it's, it's still a very surreal feeling that that game and yeah you're right we're definitely going to talk about that that game again uh it was a amazing goal uh he usually hits the post obviously and i think that's why loris <laughs> left it he probably thought it was going to come off the post um but he'd already scored once in that game already so he, he obviously had his had his tail up and one of i mean that goal was just pressing it was it was our press at its best uh, it was spurs not doing very well and we winning the ball back and he just absolutely rifled it into the corner very worthy recipient of your third choice goal there, I think. This one might be a bit of a surprise because I think a lot of people would have this higher up, but there's there's reasons why I don't have this higher up. But Miggy's volley against Fulham, uh, which did get a uh, into the match of the day goal of the season competition, I think. And I think it got into the Premier League goal of the season as well. The technique on this was just out of this world people i've been arguing with people on twitter this week who say that miggy has got no technique (laughs) he's got bad technique and to an extent i can understand that because he he does miss chances sometimes and obviously he doesn't have a right foot but when you've got a left foot like that uh 
probably unexpected to come from Miggy, to be to be honest and, and to be fair. But this was the kind of start of his hot streak um, yeah. through the through the autumn. And it was a goal that was kind of repeated, not quite this spectacularly, but the move with the... Um, it was the whole move across the whole pitch, actually. Swept from one side to the other, and then Miggy got it. Passed back to Bruno, who who played him in. And the finish was just ridiculous. Uh, outside of the volley, left foot into the into the corner. There's, no, there's nothing you can say about it. It was an absolutely... Unstoppable shot. Unstoppable goal. Amazing technique. Like I said, coming from Miggy, who we, we didn't think had had that in him at, at that stage, um, that's that's my third my third choice for goal of the season. And you, you'll you'll probably see when I talk about number two and three, two and one, why I've why I've got that third. Your second choice, then your runner up. Um, my runner up here is for no other reason than the build up play for this goal. Uh, I've got Murphy's tap in against Everton. Um, and, and it 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 was a tough one not to put as my top choice, but uh, I've got reasons, mainly because it's very cloudy for number one for me. Um, but yeah, the the fact that Alexander Isak had such a run, he basically beat six defenders, um, cut back in because he wanted to beat another one twice, uh, and then literally just dinks it across. What I found really interesting was somebody actually pointed this out on social media as well he looked up and he was trying to find Callum Wilson with that ball to get Callum Wilson, his hat trick and the <laughs> defender just got to it. And then it fell for Murphy just to tap in the fact that he's made such a jinky run, took the ball on the halfway line, ran down the pitch, beat all of those players, um, had about probably 30 centimeters to work with uh, to, to the goal line and still manages to kind of have the awareness to go, well, Wilson's on his hat trick. I'm going to try and get him, get him his goal. Um, that was just, to me, the whole thing was just sort of out of this world and um, a scary, scary thing to, to kind of look forward to, I think, for a lot of the defenders in the league. I don't even think Messi could do that, what he did. <laughs> it, was it was just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And, uh, the, there's a video that uh, that was doing the rounds after the game, and it's slow mo video of the um, match cam, so the pitch side, and it's got classical music over it. And <laughs> I remember doing the podcast after the game and counted counted the touches. I think he had 21 touches. Every single touch had to be perfect, otherwise he would have been tackled or he would have kicked it out of play. And he didn't even get the assist. <laughs> I know. <laughs> To do that and to not get the assist is just... Yeah, I yeah. think every Newcastle fan will give him the assist on that one. I think so, yeah, I think so. But that was actually my second choice as well. because um, And it, it shows you the, the quality of the the goal the goals this season that last, yeah. that that is not number one, you know? Yeah. I think so, yeah. We, we've just scored some absolutely insane goals this season. And I guess there's one... There's one part of me a little bit concerned where we need to score more tap-ins to make sure that we've got this basis of goals and we're not relying on these wonder goals every game to win a, to win a contest. But yeah, you can't complain when you're getting that every week. Yeah, because we only scored 68 goals as well. So we didn't mm. actually score compared to some of the teams. We didn't score that many. But I remember there was a season, I think it was the when Allardyce had half a season, when Charles and Zogbia scored a goal for it at Middlesbrough. And it wasn't even that good. It, it wouldn't even have been in our top 20 goals of this season. And that got goal of the season. We weren't yeah. scoring good goals at all, but we're barely scoring no. any goals. So 
it's we've been absolutely spoiled this season, uh, and there's a lot of ones that that I've got written down here to mention that that didn't even get in the top in the top three. <laughs> you know, it's just such a high standard of of goals. Yeah. What's your number one then? What's your drum roll? What's your number one goal? So I have I have a number one here that is it, it's basically Miggy for the whole of October. He just went on his own little private goal of the season contest in October and could not stop scoring absolute wonder goals. But I will give a shout out to him um, for his for the one that went off his knob um, just for Keegan because <laughs> I think that was Keegan's like moment of the season. Uh, that was definitely Keegan's goal of the season. But my, for me, I actually am putting his goal against Aston Villa up there because it, mm. I just thought the way he cut in on that one, there was only one thing that he was going to do still managed to do it and just put it straight into the top corner. And it was just, yeah, that that's that was just a sublime bit of skill um, on the back of what was just an unbelievable run of form for him. He was he was hot. He was so hot. And like I said before, we, we didn't expect him this to come from him. He, he'd been given the Joe Linton treatment, I think, over the summer. And he, he's come back. He's had a preseason. Even in preseason, he was hot, though. He was doing well in preseason yeah. as well. So... The Villa one, I remember just sinking to my knees when I watched that and in disbelief. <laughs> you knew what he was going to do, but you couldn't yeah. stop it. And that was after he'd scored against Southampton a few days earlier as well. Yeah, I've actually got his goal against Everton, which is quite an underrated goal. That was really good. Uh, looping finish over Pickford. Mm. The goal against Spurs, where he dribbled past um, Longley and put it under Loris. That was fantastic. Yes, I had, yeah. His, yeah. I had his Villa one written down as well. My number one is... Isak's goal against Spurs, his first goal against Spurs. And it's not because of the finish, it's not because it was, of the goal, it it's because of the assist. <laughs> which yeah. I still think I still think about every day that assist. Um, and it's probably gonna pop up in other categories at some point, maybe, because it was the it was the status of the game at that time, the disbelief of what was happening, and then to see Joe Willock do that and put it on a plate the way he did for Isak. It was it was simply amazing. It was incredible, and it, that was when Isak was coming into his own as well, and he was scoring yeah. pretty much every game. So that's what I've gone for as number one. It's you might have you know people listening to this might have picked up that we haven't actually mentioned Trippier's free kick against City, which was fantastic. Yeah. Maxi's goal against Wolves, which. Yeah. Which got into the Premier League goal of the season um, comp- competition, and uh, I still I still maintain he shinned it. <laughs> well, he did, he did, but it was still the technique yeah. for him to put that into the bottom corner. Um, and then there was a couple of others like Isak against Brentford, which was a really good um, side-footed finish into the top corner, and Wilson's against Everton as well. Wilson's away at Everton was a was a brilliant goal yeah. as well. I can't remember the game, but when which was the game that Isak, um, the ball was just behind him and he kind of like contorted his body and just Forest, like, yeah. sort of back, back heeled it in it's uh, straight into the bottom corner. And it was just like, how on earth he managed to get to that? That was against Forest. Target. Yeah. yeah, that was amazing as well. He extended his go go gadget legs and yeah, yeah. <laughs> shinned it into the bottom corner. Yeah, it was when you've got high quality players who are full of confidence, yeah. this, this kind of thing can happen. You know, and you, I suppose it doesn't matter what kind of goals you score, you know, but it, all that, ma- that matters is to go in. But when you're scoring spectacular goals like this, there was there was Willicks against Chelsea as well, which is a really good finish. Yeah. You know, there's just there's just been so many. It's been such a joy to watch this season. 
But I think like with if you look at the fact that we've had such a good defense as well, like if you, if you think about it, if you can keep a clean sheet, if you can keep a tight defense, and you've got that quality in your squad, who are capable mm. of pulling something out of nothing, you're always in with a chance in games. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's it's just great to have that at the moment. That's the way it's gone, and it's been so so good to see. Um, what about the most important goal of the season? Not not the best technically, or you know the the most spectacular goal. I've got a I've got a clear winner for this one. But what do you think? Thinking back, was the most important goal for the team to score this season? Probably probably shy. You've already mentioned against Forest because that was yeah to win that first game. But which others can you think? I, I've got a, I've got some other notes on on one of the other categories coming up, but it's not necessarily a goal. It's more just the the overall feel of that. I'm I actually think it's either to be honest, I'm going to go for the the opening goal against Brighton because that was goal, a pressure yeah. game. That was a pressure game, and we were struggling to get into that at the time. We needed to win to maintain our top four chances. Um, and just to get that sort of, right, look, we can do this under pressure. And I think mm. that's kind of given everyone that little bit of belief just to kind of, well, hang on. Yeah, we are in this. We are where we deserve to be. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's probably one of the, one of the ones that are up there just, just, for the, just for the pressure that it's kind of taken off almost um, and, and mm. the, the belief that it's instilled. It was a lovely little flick by Undav into his own goal. It was uh, it was nice to see, and it was nice to score from a corner as well. Yes. So that was uh, <laughs> that was a unique experience. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was the the Wolves game, um, which was after the just after the cup final. So we played the cup final and we lost to Man City, and then we had those games against Wolves and Forest before the international break. And the Wolves game, we were winning quite comfortably, and then they scored due to that calamity at the back where Trippier fell over. And then I think that was a bit of a turning point in the season because if we hadn't have won that game, that was the stage where we hadn't been scoring many goals. There was a lot of concern around that we were going to drop off, uh, like a lot of teams who who were in the top four do. A lot of them end up falling away. Yeah, And Miggy popped up off the bench and he, he scored. It wasn't his best finish by any means. It took a massive, massive deflection. In fact, it was probably going to hit the dugout, I think, the way he kicked it. But it doesn't matter because it went in. And I think that gave us such confidence. There was that game and there was the Forest game where we won right at the end. And then after that, we had a two-week international break. So we went into that break. I think we'd gone back into the top four as well by that point because of those two wins. But I think, I don't know if without that goal by Miggy in that game in, in the last 10 minutes, whether the rest of the season would have gone as it did because we we really had to score more than one goal in a game to to dispel the idea that we couldn't score yeah. anymore. Yeah. And we needed the points as well for the European push. So it wasn't his best, but it was I think it was his most important uh, was that goal against, he scored against Wolves. <clears throat> right, that's goal of the season done. Let's talk about game of the season. Again, a bit of a difficult category to pick to pick just three. Yeah, we've had um, a few. <laughs> as if there's been a few, absolutely. So you go first again with this one. What's your third choice for game of the season? I'm going for the Brentford win, the 5-1. Um, not just, obviously not just for the for the score itself. I mean, we we played well, great results, stacked the goals on. Um, we're, we're, 
we, we've had a lot of games where we've actually scored lots and lots of goals and it's not something that we're used to with Newcastle. It was always like, you know, under Allardyce, even under Rafa, it was like, you know, we score one or two maybe, try to keep things tight. And that was kind of all we had to look forward to. We're putting teams to the sword now. And it's like, you know, if, if we get in front early and then they let their heads drop, then, you know, they, we're in for like a, in for a good afternoon. So, um, but obviously the icing on the cake for the Brentford game was uh, a little bet by uh, our friend of the pod, Craig, <laughs> um, which was if they score five goals, um, that he's going to dye his hair like Bruno and, and Joe. <laughs> and the look on Craig's face when we watched the replay, because they were along. doing the watch along for this as well. Um, the look on Craig's face was worth that just just to see that fifth goal go in and watch Dex and Lee just in hysterics. It was me actually. It was me. Was it yeah, you? It was, was you? Yeah. 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 And then everyone celebrating other than Craig who's just going like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. That was that was priceless. And then he tried to get out of it by saying did, it didn't yeah. count. It didn't count because it was no own goal. We <laughs> quickly um quickly disabused him of that notion he had to yeah. he had to do it and he did do it to be he fair did do it he actually fair. kept it for longer than i thought he would he kept it yeah. for a good few weeks so that game was um because yeah we're just beating fulham and that was quite near the start of the season and i remember thinking at the time if we can win these two games then that would give the season lift off yeah and we did we won 4-1 and then 5-1 <clears throat> bruno in that brentford game was was out of the, this world he it was yeah. his best performance for us he scored two goals he absolutely bossed it and Brentford are a good team. They did the oh, double yeah, over Man City no, this season. No. Um, so to to do what we did to them that day was really, really good. <clears throat> My third choice for game of the season, I've gone with the Brighton game. Um, it pro- probably could have been a bit higher up. But the importance of it, I think we knew. I think we knew when we won this that we were going to qualify for the Champions League. Because at that stage, we only needed to get three more points. And we had Leicester and Chelsea coming up. Obviously, it didn't work out that way in the end because we didn't need three points because uh, Villa did us a favour. Yeah. But the Brighton game, the intensity of the press was just amazing to see. We had Isak and Wilson. We just attacked. We just attacked relentlessly. We didn't let them settle on the ball. They were flustered, kicking it out of play. We've already talked about the first goal, the own goal, and then Big Dan Byrne nodded in. Uh, they came back into it, Brighton. They did come back into it. A bit, but they still didn't create many chances. They scored a goal. And then those last five minutes, yeah. listening back to the commentary, the, the Matthew Raisbeck commentary of the Wilson and the, the Bruno goals, I think St. James's Park that night, I think they knew. You know, it's only a few weeks ago, but it'll live long in the memories of a really famous and um, special night under the lights. And war flags were, were at the best as well. Yeah. So uh, that's one that will really be a memorable game. That's my third choice. What's your second choice? Uh, this is probably not so much on the the result or the overall performance or the number of goals that we scored, although the goals scored did come into it. But I'm actually going to go for the Man City at home, um, the three three draw. Mm. Um, I, I think in terms of the importance for the belief of the players. Just to kind of go up three one against Man City, and yeah, okay, look, they they pulled two goals back, which is expected because they're they're a top side they've gone on to win the league um but just for us to be able to go at them the champions elect the the champions from the previous season and give a good account of ourselves i think that kind of instilled that belief in the players that you know what we can we can match it with anyone on our day 
And and I think they've carried that through the rest of the season where they, they were they they never looked frightened of anyone that they came up against, no matter who it was. And I mm. think a lot of that probably stems from obviously Eddie Howe and the way he gets them ready. But just the fact that they've they've had Man City at home, they've kept them to a three-all draw, you know, and they've scored goals against them. They were they were leading at one point, and they've given a really good account of themselves. It's like, well, hang on, yeah, we we belong up the top with these clubs because we're we're able to match them. It was such a high quality game. It mm. was so good, and like you said, we matched the the champions. Maxi was absolutely amazing that day. And yeah, I think probably we, one of his we all, best games of the season. Yeah. It, it was probably one of his best games for yeah. the club, full yeah. stop. And it was probably, I think, might have been the best individual performance by any player of ours this season. And we just thought that that was going to be the time when he was going to kick on. And he just he got injured a few games later, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, the the Man City game was such a such a high quality, so exciting. Um, and I think we probably started getting a feeling at that stage that we're a good team, we're a good team, and that we are going to be able to compete, and that we might be able to do a bit more than just sort of finishing try and finish in the top half this season mm. uh it was such an exciting exciting game um my second choice i've gone for spurs away um that was the game we called it a statement win i think at yeah. the time i think we didn't know how bad spurs were then <laughs> actually <laughs> actually they hadn't um i think they'd won all of the home games that for the season up to that point and I think there was something like 10 wins in a row that done um, across two seasons when we turned up. And it wasn't just the fact we beat them. It was it was the manner we did it. They were pretty good for the first 10, 15 minutes. But then after that, we bossed it completely. And it was a pouring down day in London. Um, but it was the time when we, it, it was in the middle of a good run for us. And I think it put us, it might have put us into the top four, even that, that win. And we were, we were, Sending a, a message to the rest of the league that, and to one of the clubs that had uh, opposed the takeover and tried yeah. to, probably the club that's most worried about us overtaking them and leapfrogging them, um, worried with good good cause, uh, obviously. But to beat them the way we did was really good. And even when they scored, they didn't look like getting back into it. Yeah. It didn't look like scoring again. And we were comfortable. We looked comfortable, yeah. We looked comfortable and we played so well. And the goal from Wilson was good, but then Miggy's Miggy's uh, beautiful slalom run and, and finish under Loris was was really good as well. So that was one where it was one where you feel so positive afterwards because you think that we could do something here. We're, yeah. we're we're not here just to mess around. We're we're a serious team, uh, and we've just proven it by going to beat one of the big six as it, as it used to be. Uh, away from, away from home the six formerly known as <laughs> <laughs> right so that was the spurs away game what's your answer for your best spurs at home season? spurs yeah. at home yeah, there's, yeah. there's no other answer <laughs> let's be honest uh five goals up inside what 22 minutes it's just yeah. absolute dream dreamland stuff that was it was surreal while you were watching it and could have easily been more uh, and we, we probably took our foot off the accelerator a little <laughs> bit like after that fifth goal went in. Um, we, we could have scored another couple in that first half, and then the second half was just cruise control, just game management, try not to sort of try to you know re- reserve some energy for the, for the next game because that was, that was put to bed very, very early on. But 
just everything that they did just came off. It was like they, mm. they literally could not do anything wrong in that first 20 minutes. And, you know, as, as you said, we, we've had um, goals of the season contenders. We've had assists <laughs> of the season contenders all from that game in the first 20 odd minutes. So it's just, yeah, just, I don't think anyone scored that many goals in the Premier League in that short amount of time, have they? In the I think so, the I think Man City did it once against Watford, yeah, but that doesn't really yeah. count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, so that was just amazing. Spurs were Spurs could have gone level with us on points if they'd have won this game as well. So, yeah. unlike the away game, we did know that they were shit by this point, so we knew that. <laughs> and then they the team sheet was weird because they had wing backs at full back and they tried mm. to change the formation. And it didn't look good for them. And it was that period where they had that caretaker manager as well. So, yeah. um, well, we were all worried about this game beforehand yeah. as well. And then you were on the podcast with Seb, and it was yeah. it was like he was going, "Ah, now we're, we're going to get hammered here. You guys are going <laughs> to like three or four goals easy." And we're like, "Yeah, not convinced yeah. about this, mate. Not convinced." And then essentially after the game, it was just like, "Wow." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a. A mind-blowing um, 21 minutes in that game, and just to to so routinely beat a team who were competitors or who were on paper competing with us at that time, and the performance by Willock and Isak, and he couldn't even remember who scored which goal. Like at half time, I I completely forgotten about Joe Linton's goal, which yeah. was absolutely phenomenal in itself because it was the long pass by Shah and then Joe Linton's touch. It was just <laughs> the whole experience was just crazy. But there was and, the, the the reaction from Isak for his second as well, <laughs> and he's just like, "Nah, I don't know what's going on here. This is just mad." <laughs> yeah, and you kind of because the games are coming thick and fast, and you kind of move on with the season. But this is one way you're like you re, we reflect like uh, on podcasts like this, and it's nice for us to have the podcast that we recorded after that to always. Think about it. If we ever, if you ever feel a bit sad, just put that on, and that'll perk us. That'll perk us right up. But yeah, yeah, I don't think you'll get many um, disputes or many arguments from people about that. I think that was definitely the the game of the season. Um, but again, there were there was games like the Man United game that was a really good game. There was the quarter final against Leicester where um, Dan Burns scored. That was mm. that was good in the cup. And then there was the Arsenal away game as well, which was really good in a different way. Because we just went and <clears throat> upset Arteta quite a lot. <laughs> to put it mildly. of the century there. Yeah, and we, we managed to get a nil-nil there, which uh, which riled, ruffled a few feathers. And I think the, the legacy of that is going to continue for a long time because everyone seems to think we're this dark art team now, yeah. uh, base, basically based on that game. Um, but that was good to go to... Arsenal had won every game that season um, and to go there and get the point. So there's good games for different reasons, but yeah, the Spurs, the Spurs game, you're never going to top that, I don't think. Right, let's bring it down a little bit. We've we've talked uh, positive, and we want to obviously keep that, but there has been a few kind of disappointments that it's it's worth touching on, or a few sort of very minor um, negative points to the season. It's football, so it's going to happen. Um, but what do you what do you want to say about this one? Uh, what's your sort of third? disappointment or slight um upset about this season so this is probably more a, a hindsight disappointment than than something that was really troubling at the time i mean obviously you never want to see a player get injured um but given how well he has played since he's came back from his injury and you kind of look back on 
you know, what could have been had he had a full season. Um, the injury to Alexander Isak was just like, yeah, it's robbed us of what could have been an absolutely mind-blowing season from him. And, you know, who knows, if he'd, if he'd managed to play the whole season, we could have ended up finishing even higher in the league. Yeah, and the frustrating thing about that was it was on international duty as well. So yeah. he'd come in and he'd played a few games, um, probably uh, from the beginning, which probably Eddie didn't want to do because he likes to introduce people slowly. But Wilson was injured. And I think Chris Wood was out a bit as well. So yeah. he came in and he scored a couple of goals. He was really good against Liverpool. He scored yeah. the equaliser in the, in the game against Bournemouth at home. And then he's missed about, I think it was 11 games he missed. Um, so he's missed almost a third of the season with that thigh injury. And even after the World Cup, he still there was still a few games before he came back. So, yeah. but when you look at what he did after that, yeah, you know, it's absolutely um, such a shame. But he's only twenty three, so yeah. and he he stayed fit after that. So hopefully that's going to be something that well, it is going to be something that we'll we'll watch him for years to come because he's a he's an amazing footballer. The thing that I had here was I've spoken about this a bit, so I'm not going to labour it too much, but just the kind of meltdown from the supporters and from the fan base. It's mainly a social media thing. I know that, but there was a few, there was even a few boos in the Bournemouth game when we didn't win um, mm. at home. And when I think that was uh, start of the season, I think that was six games without a win at that stage. Um, but I just want everyone to be patient. Uh, I want everyone to, to understand where we're at uh, as a club. Next season, there's going to be challenges. We're not going to win. We might not win as many games as, yeah. as this season. And there will be games where we lose. There'll be games where players don't play well. And there'll be tactical problems because it's football and because it happens. Yeah. I just hope that the, there's a um, balance and a sort of reasonableness to the, to the reaction. Um, because I was listening to the True Faith a live podcast they did. And they had Peter Silverstone, who's the, one of the business guys at the club now. And he said, and I think George Culkin as well said that no matter what happens next season, the club is going to be in a better position overall this time next summer than they are going to be in this summer. Yep. So even if we get don't qualify for the Champions League, we're going to have had the experience, we're going to have, we're going to have the money, and we're going to have a stronger squad. So things are on the right track, on the right trajectory, and they're only going to go one way. So I, I know that's football and it's emotional, and especially on social media, but I just hope that the the reaction is proportionate at times, and that we can we can keep an eye, on, you know, keep a, an eye on the big picture, and see that the club is 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 really is on the right track and on the right direction. I think I think social media is always like take it with a pinch of salt. It's very reactionary. It's always over the top. There's never any kind of gray gray area in the middle. It's always either really really good or really really shit. And it, it's like <laughs> it's not just with football. It's with anything you see on on social media. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> very true. much like polar extreme um, opinions that always get aired and it's like the, the middle ground always tends to kind of like get lost in the in the distance from, yeah. <laughs> from, from the, the vocal minority I guess you would say so it is it is worth taking with a pinch of salt I guess there's a difference for me expectation is something that we're gonna have to get to grips with as a fan base mm -hmm. um, and I understand that that we we kind of have this expectation now that, well, we've actually got good players and we're actually a good team and we're playing really good football so why can't we win more games my my feeling is there's a difference between being disappointed and mm. being abusively obnoxious about a, a bad result. And mm. especially at this stage of our development, my my mindset's fully on 
this is like treat it as a five-year project and we're going to have ups and downs it's not going to be this constantly upward trajectory even though it has been pretty much so far but we are going to have problems we are going to have to have hurdles that we will overcome man city have done it other clubs that have been successful have done it and it's a case of well look yes okay be disappointed at at a loss be disappointed that you know we've sold a player if, if we sell a player be be like you know happy that we win but look at the bigger picture i think and and, and celebrate and and be miserable as much as you want but with the understanding that it's like it's a long-term project and it's not going to be an overnight thing and we're not going to suddenly be this team that wins every single game with a record number of points overnight it's going to take time to build that up um and you know we we may struggle next season you know we've got extra games we're going to have new players hopefully coming in to have to settle in and there's no guarantee that they're all going to work out there's no guarantee that they're all going to be good players for us so let's yeah, I agree with you. It's like temper that expectation a little bit and just treat things with with the respect and the the long-term view, I think, that, that they probably need to be. Yeah, and the good news is we've got the perfect manager for that. And we've talked a lot of times about how Eddie Howe is just so balanced. He's so rational. Yeah. He's so logical and he's so measured all the time. And he's the, I think that's why he's the perfect manager for this club at this time. He's He understands it and he just gets what he has to do to to keep things calm. <laughs> Unlike other managers who at times things have just gone way up high or have just gone so far down low. And it's been a very bipolar football club, which sometimes yeah. hasn't been helped by some of the employees. Um, but Eddie's perfect for this, I think. What about your second um, disappointment of mm, the season? So I've, I've gone for this purely and simply because of the, of how contrasting it is to the rest of what we've actually built up this season. And I've gone for Ryan Fraser just as a whole. Mm. I've been bitterly disappointed that in a team that seems to have this whole team first mentality, everyone's pushing in the right direction. They're all on board. No one seems to have egos getting in the way at the moment, which has just been a breath of fresh air for, for a club that was being successful. And, you know, there are players were missing out on a start because someone else is in form and they, you know, at other clubs, they may have, may have thrown the toys out the pram, but like most of the players have just been like, yeah, I'm getting on with it. And if I get my chance, I'm going to do what I can to keep this going. And Ryan Fraser, and I don't know what it was and no, and you know, Eddie Howe is definitely the manager that isn't going to air his dirty laundry in public. Mm. Um, and, the, the statement that he did make was very, very surprising for, for, yeah. for what he normally would come out with. So you know something bad's gone on when Eddie Howe's come out and said what he did say. But yeah, for me, like Ryan Fraser was a part of that squad uh, and he was playing really well like last season, like the season before this one. And you know, he was he was probably an integral part of that side at the time. And we know we have all these jokes about him and um, Dan Byrne <laughs> uh, walking out next to each other. And, and it was like Dan Byrne had his little mascot out for the day. Um, and it was like, it was good fun. It was jokes. And then all of a sudden he's not in the squad and then he's banished to train with the reserves mm. and something's gone on there. And I think that's probably really disappointing for me that someone hasn't bought into that whole team philosophy that we've had this season. That's really been the backbone of, of our success. Yeah, and he's had a he's got a history with Eddie Howe as well because yeah. he, he played really well for him at Bournemouth for a, a long time. But then he also had a fallout there where he didn't want to play yeah. at the end of the COVID season because he didn't want to. It was the end of his contract and he didn't want to jeopardize a move. There's something you know we don't know Ryan Fraser, but there must be something about him that um, 
a, a character trait of his that makes him do this or makes him kind of fall out of favour. Uh, he's got one year left on his contract. I think actually he might have two years. I was looking at this earlier, um, but he'll be on a decent wage because he was a free transfer. Yeah. But even if he doesn't get a move, he's not going to be part of the squad. Um, so, yeah. I think what, uh, what contrasts it even more though is when you look at Lascelles as the club captain, and you look mm-hmm. at you know Richie, who's hardly had a kick all, all season, and they're still classed as this part of the inner circle in terms of the leadership group, and they're still contributing even not on the pitch but they're they're still leaders in the dressing room and they're still part of the club's success so i guess that to me was was probably well what what's going on like i don't mm. know what's i don't know why he's decided to to not be a part of that that it just yeah it didn't sit well sit well with me yeah and like you said eddie's reaction was very uncharacteristic yeah. unlike him where i basically said if he doesn't if nobody somebody doesn't want to be here then they're not going to play <laughs> simple as and he's banished yeah. him to the under 21. So yeah, that was a, a disappointment definitely um, in terms of an individual player. My second thing was a lack of goals from corners and attacking set pieces. <laughs> Considering we've got a team of giants, um, it was a, we scored a few of them, but but not many. And I think because I'm an XG wanker, I think um, the underperformance, there was an underperformance of 10 on the XG. So oh. we should have scored 10 more goals than we did from corners and set pieces especially when you've got Kieran Trippier, who most of the time is putting in good quality crosses. Um, obviously, Dan Byrne did get his header, not from a not from a corner, but from a, a, a free kick against Brighton. But he's massive. He should be scoring more headers, or he should be at least getting in, getting more opportunities. And Botman didn't score a goal either. Uh, he never yeah, did against Fulham. He hit the post. But yeah, it's... Um, it's something for us to work on, but the good news is that's the kind of thing you can you can work on in, in training. Um, you can the, we, we had a few little clever routines where with Miggy and Trippier, um, Wilson scored a header against Man United, I think it was, or it was Villa. It was Villa where um, they did a little one-two thing from the corner, and he flicked it in, and Wilson scored a header. So there is some clever things you can do. Do but you not feel we're trying to overcomplicate it though at times? Sometimes, yeah. But I mean, most games we're getting 15 plus corners. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's some games where we're getting back to back corners for about 10 minutes and we're still uh, we're still not managing to score from them. So at least that's an area we can look at for next season. And that's something yeah. that we, we should be able to improve um, with work on the training pitch. We'll probably just need to get a set piece coach, I think, because I think Jason Tindall's I mean, been Tindall's doing it. doing it, yeah. <laughs> so he's good at doing other stuff. So let him go and do the. Things he's good at and get a proper set piece coaching. Right, your biggest disappointment of the season is probably not going to be any surprise to anyone. No, the cup final. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone's disappointment on that one. Uh, I think we, it was built up so much. I mean, obviously, I was so I was in Vegas uh, for the cup final. Um, I went along to the the meetup with all of the Newcastle fans. There was a little bit weird at the pub because there was the Rangers Celtic game on. There was the Man United. I had the rugby on the Man United, the Man United Newcastle final, and so there was just this sea of mixed fans, and there wasn't that you know that segregation. I think where it encourages a bit bit more banter because it's like you know safety in numbers, and <laughs> everyone everyone gets Billy Big Spuds at that that moment, and it's like what we do when we have the the meetups here in Australia where. You know, we, we we wanted to kind of, you know, everyone singing away because everyone's in the little pocket together. Um, so there wasn't that kind of element. Uh, but having said that, 
it was just we didn't really turn up for it. We didn't play badly. We got done by a couple of soft goals, I thought. And but the the hype and the build up, and I think it was like the run up to that game where Man United just went on this monumental run of form, and we just hit a brick wall all of a sudden. And whether or not that was down to you know the pressure that was on the players and the pressure that was on the club to break our duck for first silverware in God knows how many years or 60 years now or something. And you're thinking like, you know, did that get to the players? Were they then concentrating on that too much? Were they too worried about actually doing the job at hand because of all the extra pressure that was being built up on it? And it was just, you know, you talk to people and it was a madhouse in Newcastle. It was all anyone was talking about for like two weeks leading up to the final. Um, And for us to just kind of like, fizzle out not score a goal and just like you think well could have given a better account of ourselves and then especially when you go then go and beat man united 2-0 at st james's park and you just think yeah what could have been yeah i think that you've made a good point there about the hype around it because it's understandable because it's been so long since we're in a cup final but i do think it affected the players it definitely affected the league form beforehand and eddie eddie has admitted that um he said that it's it's human nature to be distracted by it that there was the letters that the athletic had with the players families and things and it's all it's all great but it did feed into there was the whole frenzy around tickets you know everyone was desperate for a ticket so i don't know whether because we're a club in this situation and we're we're, going to get used to being in finals Maybe we just needed to get this out of the, our system because <laughs> it was the first cup final was always going to be such a huge event. And because it happened so soon, maybe. Yeah. Um, and because the way that the fixtures happened in the cup run was just after the World Cup as well. So the, they were kind of squeezed into a shorter period of time. So it felt like we were almost exclusively playing cup fixtures for a few weeks before the yeah. before the final. Like you said, the the time of season was just just off because we'd lost a bit of form and maybe because of this hype and everything that was going on and Man United had, were in good form. Um, so I think that played into it as well. I, like think, I, said, I think in terms of the league though, we were desperate probably for some changes and we didn't. And I, I, I'm not sure whether that was Eddie Howe just like, well, this this is the team that we're going to play the cup final with. So we just want everyone to kind of keep going and not lose form or not not sort of risk anything. Um, and, and, you know, that comes down to squad depth and, and yeah. faith that we've got some some depth pieces. So, but yeah, that, that, there was just that that lethargy, I think, in, in the, the team and that there, there wasn't that same press. There wasn't the same urgency in them. They looked leggy. They looked tired. Uh, and I think it was a lot of it was probably just mental. Yeah, and obviously Nick Pope um, had his disaster <laughs> the week before as well. Which and Bruno was suspended as well. Bruno was suspended before the yeah. cup final, yeah, yeah. So he he missed the three games preceding, which yeah. didn't help because we didn't win any of those games. So everything kind of came together to, to to that situation. But I do think we'll be better for the experience because we've been through it now, and we'll know that next time. Like we might just be a bit more calm, like as a as a yeah. as a group of players and coaching staff, and as a fan base as well, because we know that we're we're going to be back. Uh, and it wasn't the kind of devastation after this cup final because we are a good team and we will be back. Um, so there's there was positives to take from it as well. The the scenes at the end were good with with the flags and you know that we were still supporting the fans. Were, yeah. Of course, we're yeah. still supporting, but I think like the whole thing about everyone you know, London was black and white and that's great, but it's also like 
yeah, like it, it feeds into this hype, uh, yeah. which maybe got a little bit, I don't know if it got out of hand, but I, I don't think it helped the players and it didn't help the performance yeah. on that day. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of extra pressure on their shoulders. I mean, yeah. hopefully the fact that we saw off the challenge from Liverpool to maintain the top four gives yeah. them a little bit more belief going forward that, well, you know what, we can actually still get over the line. Because I think I think even Dan Byrne said like they were starting to feel a bit nervy in that Brighton game and the, mm. the, the pressure was telling because we needed to win it. And so and it's human, as you said, it's human nature. And I think it's it's one of those things where as a club, we need to have that belief and we need to get used to it more than anything. So it's not as, and it sounds weird. So it's not as big a deal. And I don't want to get to the point where we're, we're like Man United yeah. fans who were like, didn't even hang around for the trophy ceremony. But it needs to be that little bit more normality about it so that we don't have this massive <laughs> freak out because we've got this cup final now. Yeah. And I think it will be next time as well. So I think. And, I've, you know, we beat Man United a few weeks later as well in the league, which was yeah. a really important game at that time. So it wasn't that they were, it wasn't that we're, Man United were a particularly better team than us. Uh, they, they've got better players overall. We're and just they did find a bigger team, that was all. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was, um, it, but it was a disappointment, you know, that, but it's, yeah. it's a, the kind of disappointment that you can learn from. And it's not, it wasn't like an earth shattering devastation. It was more like disappointment. Let's learn from it and let's go again and let's beat them next time let's let's win the next cup final run um so yeah that's probably going to be most people's um biggest disappointment but we did well to get there in the first place as well oh, and we had sure, some good yeah. good moments on the run sean longstaff's goals um and in the semi-final and big dan burn in the in the quarterfinal as well gunda get me suit measures <laughs> <laughs> his interview good. afterwards was just priceless. <laughs> and his dance of course as well that was yes and well. his dance yeah Right, last category we're going to talk about tonight is the most improved player of the season. Again, there's quite a few options for this. I had five or six that it could have been. Yeah. You go first. Who's your third uh, choice for the most improved player of the season? I guess, let, let's be honest here, it could be anybody who was playing under Bruce. Uh, I think the entire team has improved under Eddie Howe from what we what we were playing as, if, if for no other reason than just that they're fit and can actually string a couple of passes together and and play for a full ninety minutes. Um, the passing's better. Players know their roles. They know where they're meant to be. So, I guess like two players that I would like to kind of just have a special mention for here is Shah, who by most people's understanding would have been out the door had Steve Bruce sort of stuck around and has now formed the, the best defensive partnership in the league. <laughs> um, bit of a turnaround there. And I want to, I want to have a little bit of a shout out. Not that I think he has improved other areas of his game because I think he's always been a contributor, but Miggy's added goals. And I think mm. he's, he's kind of added that finishing product to his game but he's always ran. He's always worked his ass off. He's always provided that that legs in midfield and on the wing for us. So that pressure. So it's not so much that he's improved that area of his game, but he has added goals. Um, my my third choice here is somewhat controversial that it's not higher, and I understand that. But he did pick up a, a bit the first season that Eddie Howe was there, and this is Joe Linton. Um, he's obviously gone on leaps and bounds he's he's absolutely phenomenal he's been a rock in that that team all season um steamroller over most of the teams that he's played against and 
justifiably has now managed to get his Brazil call up, um, which I'm so pleased for him because it's nothing more than he deserves. But it was more when he swapped into midfield that that was where he started the upward trend. So that was kind of last season and he's continued that upward trend. So fair play, but I'm going to leave him in at number three because I think two other players for me probably shade him in terms of their overall improvement. To be fair as well, with Joe Linton, I've kind of not considered him for this because he improved so much last yeah. season. So he, he did improve again a lot and he's, he's now become one of the best midfielders in the league and he's, he's added goals as well. So... He, he could be in with a chance of this or even player of the season. Um, he, he was unlucky not to be in it with a shot of Premier League player of the season. Probably he's been absolutely amazing in different positions and he must be an absolute dream to manage. But I'm sure he'll be talked about in future categories. So yeah. I left him out of this one. My third choice was Miggy um, for the reasons you've outlined. Again, I think he got the Joe Linton treatment this season. So he could have been higher, but... The, the, the kind of freak goal scoring run he went on. I think it was a freak run. I think yeah. he, that'll never happen to him in his career again. But he still improved his overall game. Um, he does have technical weaknesses that he's never going to probably improve, such as not having a right foot and his, his finishing misses at times. But yeah. when you've gone and scored 11 league goals from, I, I think he'd only scored six in his previous <laughs> four years. So to, to do that and to become such an important part. And the most pleasing thing for Miggy, sort of, and it's fresh in the memory, was the Brighton game as well, where he didn't score, he missed a chance, and then they went and scored straight away. But his overall performance was so good. He pressed, mm. he hassled all game. It was a perfect game for him because he could just run all day. And then he got the assist for Wilson's massively important yeah. goal as well at the end. So even though he didn't score, he was man of the match in that game. And I like genuinely don't know where he gets all his energy from. It's amazing. If you can, like can send me a little, little small vial, I'd like <laughs> that, yeah. Like we said before, he um, he could have had his own goal of the season competition on his <laughs> own. And no, nobody would have thought that would happen with Miggy at the start no. of the season. So the signs were there in pre-season and he carried it on. So he's my third most improved player of the season. Number two for you? Uh, I've gone for long stuff. And I think again, this is a player, and and it was I was touch and go, and I haven't included um, I haven't included Joe Willick in this top three, uh, and and it's and it's a shame for him again. But it was it was that thing where like he when he first came here on loan, he was just like outstanding. So we're kind of just back to that level, and it's almost that that way with Longstaff. And I maybe could have substituted either or in this argument for for the second spot. Longstaff is back to Rafa Longstaff for me. Mm. Maybe even a bit better. Better, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 you know, for us to go into games where he was injured, thinking, "Holy crap, how are we going to miss? How are we going to manage without him?" He's, he's a, such a miss in that midfield. And I mean, like a, a year ago, there was literally no way anyone was going to be thinking that. It's just the the monumental shift in the attitude of what he contributes to that side. Yeah, he runs around a lot. Oh, yeah, he just sort of plods around and he doesn't really contribute much. But he's so instrumental for how that team works. And he knows his job now. He knows what's expected of him. He's well coached. No, he's not a world-class player. No, he's not a superstar. But teams need players like him. And I think he's just like relished the opportunity to get back into that role and back into that form for this, this club. And I, I've been so pleased for him as a local, again, as a local lad as well, you can see the pride that he has 
now in playing for that club. And when you see, you hear his interviews about, yeah, I just didn't really want to play football anymore under Bruce and I didn't want to go into training. And for him to go from that to this player we see now, um, it, it just makes you, makes you swell with pride about like, you know, the local lad come good at the, at the club. It does, and I'm I'm going to talk about him now because he's he's my number one pick. I think he's the, being the most improved player. Um, I did think he had it in him. I don't know if I thought he had it to this extent in mm. him. But the best thing about Longstaff is, like I said, he's he's local. The Villa game where he didn't play, he was such a miss, and I think yeah. we we knew he was going to be a miss. And the best the, the players like this are really important for the squad and. He's not, he's not a sexy name. He's not a foreign trickster. He's not got great skill necessarily. But every successful team needs players like this in. They need players who are going to do the dirty work. He runs all day. He's always got the best. He always runs the furthest. He can yeah. put a tackle in. He gets in good positions. If He, he only got three goals this season. If he could finish, he'd be even yeah. better. Um, so I think he has been the most improved player just to the extent that He's made himself invaluable. He's made himself almost as invaluable as Bruno in the midfield. But I it's think gonna he, be... he does the dirty work that no one else does to allow the likes of Bruno, to allow the likes of Willock to, to play their game more naturally and have that better understanding of they can bomb forward when they need to. They can kind of go out wide when they need to because they know Longstaff's going to be there doing the mucky work in midfield, running around, no one like notices him until he's not there. Yeah, that's and that's the... I think about the the Man United teams, that one of the teams that Fergie made, and it had Park G sung in it, and that's the job he did. And yeah. there was a game in the Champions League, I think it was, where I think it might have been against Barcelona, where his instructions were just to sit on Busquets or whoever it was. And he did it perfectly. And Man United won the game. I don't know if it was Barcelona, but it was someone anyway. And he's not going to get the plaudits necessarily, although he has started getting them this season now because he's been so good. Yeah. But teams need players like this. Um, and like you said, he he lets other people play with, with the work he does. And... The most impressive thing about him as well is he's been singled out for scapegoating criticism by a lot of fans for, for a few years because he can't he can't finish very well and because sometimes he misplaces passes. Mm. So he he has had the scapegoat treatment. He looked like he was on his way out. He was going to go to Everton at one point. He was fed up. Like if you yeah. listen to interviews with him, he wasn't coached before when Steve Bruce was there. So as soon as Eddie Eddie came in, again, it's another quality of Eddie Howe to recognize somebody's attributes and then coach coach them to be the best version of themselves and him along with Dan Byrne and you know others is such an important part of the squad as well and he he retains that local link and it does nothing better than seeing a a homegrown player do so well and he's coming into his prime now he's mid-20s yeah so he's going to be a really useful squad player moving forward and I'm just pleased that he's getting the the credit that that he deserves I mean, it's not something that you want to say, but it's it's kind of his injuries probably done him a load of good in terms of his reputation. Because if he hadn't got injured, he'd have played the rest of the season out, and everyone's like going, "Yeah, he's still a bit crap. Oh, he's still a weak link in that mm. midfield." But now that he, you've seen what we are without him in there, and you appreciate so much more that we are actually needing this player just to do the dirty work, and he's doing it so well. 
Uh, I think his reputation's actually gone through the roof because of him having an injury. It's the, it's probably the only player I think in history that's like actually got a better reputation because <laughs> of him having an injury and, and sitting out some games. Well, it's his character as well to play that game against Leicester when he was needed, when he obviously wasn't fit. Like yeah. he was, he got injured in the Everton game by a heavy tackle, which, yeah. which should have been a penalty. Which should have been given. A and then he played the Leicester game because we were desperate and he wasn't fit, obviously, because he, di- he didn't play in the next game. He wasn't even on the bench against Chelsea. So he came back, he put, played through the pain barrier like a few players have done this season for, and he fought for the cause and he's been, he's been really good. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play in the Champions League, which is just yeah. a, a phrase you'd never, ever thought you'd say about him. <laughs> right, that, so he's my number one. Who's your number one most improved player of the season? Jacob Murphy. Yeah, he was my number two, so yeah, yeah. we talked about him. He's he's gone from someone who you just wanted rid of. He was like this this passenger player who wasn't achieving anything. And even when he did have a moderately good game, it, he was playing his own crossbar challenge every every time he got <laughs> on the pitch. He, he would hit the post every game, even if he had a shot. He was not achieving anything on the pitch. To go from that to into the player he is now where when Miggy was injured and he came back and he was fit, you've got to the point where no Murphy's in the side. He's, he's, he's held down his place. He's doing just as well, if not better than what Miggy was beforehand. Like Miggy's on the bench and he's got to earn his place, place back. And, you know, Murphy's, Murphy's done some of the dirty work as well this season where he's, he's played on the left. He's played on the right. He's kind of, He's, he's come off the bench to just kind of like shore up a game. So he's done, he's done what's needed for the team. For, for for the fans, obviously his shithousery is next to no 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 equal in the Premier League. Um, when he's coming off after being accused of time wasting and he's pointing at his imaginary watch, um, and, you know things like that. It's like the fans love it. He's, he's, he's a walking a meme. Fan. He is a walking meme, and it's one of those things where the fans will take to him because he wears his heart on his sleeve. And he might not be a locally born lad, but he's a Geordie by heart he supported the club all his life um i mean there was there was talk when we bought him that we bought the wrong murphy <laughs> um <laughs> and you know he's 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 done really well to get to where he is now where i think i'd be reluctant to get rid of him and you know to say to say that now after what we had from him under bruce for example where you know he was there just to kind of make up the numbers um, you know, you, you're doing pretty well to to not have a player like that just be a well. You know what? He's done really well. Maybe we can get get some money for him to just go look. Let we've we've got to keep him. We've got to keep him around the squad. He's like our own little personal cheerleader in the in the changing rooms, and you know he's giving everything he can on the pitch, but he's also adding quality to what he's done as well. So yeah, for me. I mean, even even beyond that, that Spurs goal, um, he's mm. he's just added more to his game this season. And okay, look, he's still maybe not the best player in the squad technically, but the change in what he's actually providing us is is chalk and cheese. His brother plays for Oxford United now. By yeah. the way, I, uh, <laughs> I found that out earlier earlier on when I was researching for an article. But yeah, he's um, he has been so improved and. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I thought he was going to be this good, but I did. I did think he had something in him. I, I think he's since he signed. I think he's had attributes. You know, he's quick, and he can put a cross in. He got a really nice assist for Jose Perez about five years ago when we beat Stoke in a game when Rafa yeah. was there. 
So, but then he's had a couple of underwhelming loan spells as well, and he did just look like he'd be out, you know, be off to the championship. But he's played thirty six league games this season. He, yeah. He's and he started at double figures, uh, and he did this last season as well when Maxi was injured and when Miggy was unavailable, or and he was keeping Miggy out of the team last season for a bit. So. Eddie trusts him and he's turned him into a Champions League player, <laughs> which is just mental. Crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> of all the things Eddie's done to, to be able to turn yeah. Jacob Murphy into a Champions League player, that's got to be one of his, his biggest achievements. All right. This has been a lot of fun. I've very much I've enjoyed, enjoyed this. this. I've yeah. enjoyed this. Um, so we will be back in a couple of days, uh, probably, I think, on Monday um, or Sunday. And we're going to be looking at player of the season moment of the season, surprise of the season, and signing of the season. So that's another four categories. Um, we're going to keep this season going on for as long as we can um, before we succumb to the transfer madness and check Fabrizio Romano's tweets every every three minutes. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, Mark. It's been a pleasure. I'll speak to you soon. No, it's been, a, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. See ya. See ya. Catch you later.